Hey, welcome to the Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me, do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. Well, good morning, everybody. Oh, I might try that again. Good morning, everybody. Morning, that's better. We're alive. We're excited to be here, yes? Amen. Here in what I'm going to call from now on the tabernacle, here on the courts. Just love seeing people gathered together worshipping God. And I hope that you're as excited as I am to be here this morning. This morning, I have called our message Future Proofing. And the definition of future-proofing, which I got from Google, and Google, as everyone knows, is the source of all wisdom and knowledge. It says, future-proofing, the understanding of impacts of outside influences on businesses and their ability to meet present and future needs to ensure business viability for future generations. It's a bit of a technical definition, but essentially future-proofing is making sure you have enough resources to continue what you're doing into the future. Now, as a church, what is our business? What is it? It's not a trick question. What's our business? Saving lives. Saving lives. Yeah, I, what's, what did Jesus tell us to do? We went to go and do what? Make disciples of all nations. Who includes disciples? Who includes that? What's an important part of the kingdom? Who is that? Children. Yeah. So for me, for churches to be future-proof, what do we need? We need vibrant children's and youth ministry. And that passage that Lou read for us from Mark 10. It's just this wonderful depiction of Jesus' heart for children. Just how he cares for them so deeply and intimately. How he doesn't want any of them to be neglected or rejected. Children are part of the kingdom. And you and I, as I love this term, royal emissaries... We're royal ambassadors. Doesn't that sound cool? If you think of us Christians as royal ambassadors, we serve King Jesus. And to go out and ensure that children and youth hear that message to future proof the church. I want to share a little parable. It's called Peter and Penny Go Swimming. All right, so Peter and Penny, their parents want them to learn how to swim, like all good parents do. And one day they send Peter and Penny to the pool. Instead of getting into the water, they go into a classroom. And there they learn from this manual all about the different strokes of swimming. They learn about great swimmers of the past. Learn about different swimmers from Australia who went to compete in other countries. And the reason why Penny and Peter go into this room that's separated 
is so that they don't disturb the adults from their swimming time. And Peter and Penny do this until they're about 15, 16. And then their parents are surprised. Oh, Peter and Penny don't actually want to swim at all. They've lost interest completely. Now, I stole this little parable from a lecturer who is an expert in children's ministry. He says, as a church, we need to incorporate children in the worship space. That's why I love this morning, Murray had a chance to pray for our children. It's that kids need to be involved. We need to ensure that they own their faith. I can attest as a 17-year-old young man, you know what my, the biggest challenge at church was? Oh, gosh. It was like week by week, that was my challenge. Can I keep my eyes open? It's ironic that I am now speak for a living about Jesus and probably there are people who are falling asleep right now as I speak, trying to, you know, keep your eyes open. But for me as a 17-year-old, I just found Christianity just utterly irrelevant for my life. It's like, oh, what's the point of this? I sort of come to church on a Sunday. Sorry, mum and dad. I see you in the back there. <laughs> no reflection on you. But I would go to church on a Sunday and then particularly in year 11 and year 12, I'd go to school, hang out with my non-Christian friends and feel like life is more fun that way. Like, why, why is church, what's the purpose of it? What's the purpose of Jesus? That's why I have this real passion for, for kids and youth ministry because I was that kid, that kid that sat through church, really, really struggled to connect with it and own my faith. And it was years later when God challenged my heart that actually Christianity, following Jesus, it's the most important thing in this world. And so, friends, for us, we need to be a church that is future-proof. We need to invest in our children, in our youth, and our young people, and to show them, hey, Christianity, this is the most important thing in the world. Jesus is number one. He will transform and change your life. What's interesting, I find interesting in Mark 10, is that it says here that when people were bringing the children to him, that he might touch them. So that is bless them, place a blessing upon them. The disciples rebuked them. It says here, but when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. It's an odd way of saying it. Basically, he was angry. He's furious. He's saying, hey, hey, you know what? That the kingdom, it's not limited to those who are powerful. It's not for those who socially are important. It's for kids. He says, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a small child shall not enter it. If I wouldn't destroy the microphone, I'd drop that right now, but sound guys would kill me. That, that's powerful stuff. Let me read that again. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Wow. Wow. That powerful stuff. Something so simple, you need to be like a child. Otherwise, you can't enter it. And then Jesus took them in his arms and blessed them. 
laying his hands on them. Now, if you ever go to Bible college or read a commentary, Mark's gospel is divided into two sections. Mark chapter 1. Oh, Murray's smiling. He's, you're all over this New Testament studies. Mark chapter 1 to Mark chapter 8 is what scholars call the messianic secret. He knows Jesus when he does healing. Say, hey, don't tell anyone. Shh. Keep it a secret because he doesn't want people, because the Jews had this idea of Messiah coming to conquer the Romans. They're like a King David. They wanted a, a conquering king to come in and kill the Romans. So Jesus keeps his identity a secret. And then about Mark chapter 8 from about verse 30, he starts to actually reveal what it's like for him to be the Messiah. And he's going to be a crucified Messiah. And so Jesus paints this picture of what discipleship is like. And discipleship is not about being big and powerful and strong. It's about being lowly and humble. And in fact, when Jesus tells the disciples initially, he says, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, I'm going to be crucified. And Peter grabs him, rebukes him. He says, what are you talking about? You're insane. And Jesus' response is, get behind me, Satan. You do not understand the things of God. And so that's the image of discipleship. And what Mark does is he just hammers the apostles, the disciples, at how stupid they are. So in this section of Mark chapter 10, these verses we read, they fall into a larger section of Mark chapter 8, verses 22 to chapter 10, verse 52. You can look at it later. Jesus paints this picture of how discipleship is like. And so for the reader, this, this chapter, these verses we read in Mark 10, they should stand out because Jesus said earlier in Mark 9, hey, guess what? The, the greatest among you, you need to be like a servant. In fact, you need to be like a child. I'm going to read out here. So this is Mark 9, okay? So Mark 9, verse 30, we're told here, they left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men and they will kill him. And after three days, he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant. They were afraid to ask him about it. They came to Capernaum where he was in the house, and he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet, because on the way they'd argue about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and servant of all. He took a little child whom he placed among them, taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. That's phenomenal. Jesus said, hey, if, if you take this child, it's like you're just welcoming not only me, but my heavenly Father who has sent me. Okay, now that sets up the framework. Being a disciple is like being a child. Jesus has welcomed a child. Now what do we get in Mark 10? Who's coming before Jesus? Children. Wasn't that your question? Don't be afraid to call out. It's children. And this is the tremendous irony is that disciples are too stupid to understand what following Jesus looks like. This is what Jesus wants. He wants little children to come to him. 
Now you might be thinking, well, I'm not a child or a young adult, so how does this passage apply to me? Well, I love that scripture. There's lots of images that are tied in. And here, this, this image of children coming to Jesus, it's firstly, Jesus wants literal children to come to him. Part of the kingdom is having children coming to salvation. Also, too, every adult follower must be childlike in coming before him. So again, every adult must be childlike in coming before him. I have two children, you're probably aware of, little Asher and little Hazel, there's our, out the back. Now, my, uh, particularly Hazel, she's 19 months going on 19. She thinks she's independent and mature and can do lots of things. But guess what, little Missy? You can't feed yourself yet. You can't clothe yourself. You can't go to the toilet. It's the same with Asher. Right now, particularly after coming from hospital, he is quite vulnerable. He is completely and utterly reliant upon Rachel and I. As adults, that's all we need to be like. It's utterly humbling. Uh, there's a few times in my life I've injured myself. I've broken my leg, broken hands, hurt my back. It is humiliating and humbling for someone like myself who is fit and active to rely on my wife, my parents, someone else to help me, someone to bring my food, someone to help me around. But this is what Jesus is calling us to do. Hey, all of you, and this is what's amazing about Mark 9 where the disciples are arguing about who is the greatest. He's saying... You need to be like a child. You need to be like the lowest of the low. In a Hebrew culture, in the Old Testament, children were seen as God's blessing. They were valued. But in the period of Jesus' day, the rabbis didn't have a very high opinion of children. They're like, ah, yeah, children. Yeah, just wait till they're older. Then you sort of become a real person. Right now, the job is just to kind of, yeah, you're there. We need to teach them. They don't really have much value. They don't contribute a whole lot. But just saying, that is the image of someone who follows me like a child. Someone who is completely and utterly vulnerable. And I love it. Because that's who Jesus is. And if you go through the book of Revelation, which is a very complex book, there's one of my favorite images of all scripture. Jesus is presented as a lion and a what? How does that work? How can one be a lion and a lamb? What's a lion depicted normally? King. What else is it depicted? Strength, power, ferocity. Meet a lion in the jungle? You're probably not going to survive that. What does a lamb represent? Gentle, weak, doesn't it? Isn't that just phenomenal? It's just this phenomenal image which time and time again just strikes me out. Jesus is a lion, but he's a lamb. And that's exactly what he's calling us to do. At church, we're we're called to future-proof, to invest in our children, to invest in our youth, to see the next generation grow up, to know and to show Christ. But for each and every one of us adults who are here, we need to take on that same childlike demeanor to be vulnerable to be lowly 
In the Gospels, the narratives that come, they're not just there randomly. Because after we hear this account of Jesus calling the children before him, the very next story, it's about the rich young ruler. You know, the rich young ruler thought, he thought that he had everything. He had everything in life before him. Let me, I'll just read this out. Everything before him. He had wealth. He had followed all the commands. And then Jesus says, now I'll read it. This is Mark 10, 17. Now Jesus was starting out on his way. Someone ran up to him, fell on his knees and said, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. The man said to him, Teacher, I have wholeheartedly obeyed all these laws since my youth. Jesus looked at him. He felt love for him and said, You lack one thing. Go and sell whatever you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. But at this statement, the man looked sad and went away sorrowful, for he was very rich. And I think some of the scariest words in all of the Gospels. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Friends, that's not an accident that comes there. Where Jesus says, Let the children come to me. This is what you need to be like. Be like a child. That's who are my followers. And then the very next narrative, a rich man, someone who the Jews would say is blessed by Yahweh. Wealth was seen as a blessing. This man has it all. Jesus says, no, you do not have it all. The children do. This is the upside down nature of the kingdom. This is remarkable. Uh, I think time and time again when I study scripture just to see the depth of it and the challenge for us. But, but we might know it in our heads. Yeah, okay, we need to be like children to enter the kingdom of God. But how much of us look to the externals? How much of us look to people who worldly seem to have all the right qualifications, all the right giftings, who are strong and powerful on the outside? But we overlook the weak and vulnerable. And that's exactly what Jesus calls us to do. And one of the things, the Gospels don't just appear in a vacuum. Jesus is fulfilling the Old Testament. And there's a, there's a paradigm throughout Scripture of the younger son getting blessed above the elder. Who is the older brother, Cain or Abel? Who do we know? Call it, who is it, Cain or Abel? Who's the older son? Cain. And whose offering is blessed? It's Abel, the younger who is the one who is the seed of Abraham? Is it Ishmael or Isaac? Isaac. Is it, J is it Esau or Jacob? Jacob. And you see this pattern. Even with the great King David, he's the eighth son of Jesse, the youngest. God does this again and again, goes against the grain of the culture, which is the oldest son. That's me. I'm the oldest in my family. The oldest gets the double inheritance. They are the blessed one. God says, no, 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 no. I'm going to pick the youngest son. I'm going to pick the second one. That's the template Jesus is working through. And what's even crazier is that 
in, in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah, this is from Isaiah chapter 54. There's a reason why people call it the gospel of Isaiah, because you read Isaiah and think, wow, this is just Jesus. Isaiah foretells at this time when Jerusalem, which is described here as an afflicted city, lashed by storms and not comforted, I will rebuild you with all these lovely, precious stones. That sounds a bit similar to Revelation. And then it says here in verse 13, it says, All of your children will be taught by Yahweh, and great will be their peace. Jesus comes here as the first step in that fulfillment that Isaiah foretold, this restoration of the world. The children are going to be taught by him. Disciples should have been aware of that. And friends, we need to be aware of that too. We need to have eyes and ears for the children around us. Jesus is the embodiment of God the Father. And the Old Testament talks time and time again about caring for the vulnerable. It's two times here in, in Deuteronomy. I'll read here from just one of them. From Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 18, it says, He, that's God, defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. Children in Jesus' day were seen as just, ah, whatever. Yeah, you know, they have value to continue their father's line along, but once they hit 13, they don't really have any other value apart from that. It was even worse in the, the Greek-Roman culture, which decided, well, you, if you have a baby girl, just let her die. You can sell them off into slavery, sex workers, capture them, make them fight in gladiator fights. Children are valueless. And here comes Jesus saying, no, 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 these are the ones who embody my kingdom. Powerful, radical stuff. And because we live in the 21st century where we try to empower children, which, again, all comes down to the basis of Scripture, we sort of lose the relevance of that. We're in a culture that despises children. For Jesus to say, hey, this is what you need to be like. It's countercultural. This is what Scripture is all about. And so passage like Mark 10, 13 to 16, it leaves us with a number of challenges challenges for how we treat children in our midst. And one of the fantastic things that particularly our denomination has done in response to the Royal Commission is say, hey, we need to protect children. As frustrating as it is, working with children's check, creating safe spaces, safe church health checks, all of that is about protecting children. That's one response. That response too, children are welcome in our worship mix. That's what I love about up here. We've got the kids here at the back. I actually love it seeing kids running around and being part of stuff. We need them to own their faith. Because they're the next generation. I may not seem old, but I'm in my 30s. In our 30 years' time, you know, that's not that far away. Who's going to pick up pastorship? Who's going to be the next leaders? Our children. We need them to own their faith. Also, what it does for us as adults, we need to be childlike in our faith. We need to be vulnerable before God and recognize that the gospel is completely and utterly countercultural to everything that we know. Friends, let me pray for us that we can be like children who approach God, our Father in heaven. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you that. 
on that day where the disciples tried to push back the children, you said, no, they're welcome. And in fact, that made you angry. Because you hate to see the vulnerable and the mistreated to be pushed back. You welcome all in to your kingdom. But you call us to be childlike in our faith, to see the model of children as the model for how we're to live our lives before you. Lord, I pray today that as we have literal children here in our worship service, that they can come in and enter and see your goodness. For all of us here who are adults, that we can be metaphorical children and approach you as our Lord and Saviour, who we so desperately need in order to enter into the kingdom. So we pray for your help in this. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.